Welcome to season five, episode 44 of the Another Startup Story podcast. My name is Carmen Tang, your host, and together we'll explore and enjoy conversations around entrepreneurship, creativity, and leadership. In our careers, businesses, passions, and especially our visions, you are invited to learn and lesson with us. So a philosopher known as Rolf Waldo Emerson once said that the first wealth is health. And another famous quote by a Greek physician uh, said that food is medicine. And especially over the past year or so, going through this huge pandemic has really caused everyone to be a lot more conscious of their health, whether that's because they've been forced to by staying in through lockdowns or circuit breakers, or maybe because they've just seen friends and family suffer and, you know, it's become more of a priority. So you probably will have guessed on today's episode, we'll be focusing on nutrition. And I'm inviting Laura Lamb, who is a registered nutritional therapist and functional medicine practitioner to speak on the show. So she helps people to regain regain control over their health. Food and nutrition is something that she's been passionate about for all of her life. And having suffered from irritable bowel syndrome for a number of years, she understands how um, how difficult digestive problems have occurred and how this can really irritate and become, you know, a struggle in everyday life. And throughout her clinical training, she deduced the root cause of her IBS by using functional medicine and comprehensive lab testing. She then resolved her IBS by using the right nutrition and lifestyle measures. She then came to realize that digestion is actually linked to all aspects of health because the food that we eat impacts every single chemical reaction in our bodies. And she now helps other people to regain their optimal digestive health um, so that they can heal in other areas of health. And she works with people with um, other digestive disorders, um, hormone imbalances, thyroid diseases, mental health conditions, chronic fatigue and tiredness, low immunity, and much, much more. As my own personal health and wellness journey has really deepened over the past year, I wanted to get Laura on the show just for my own selfish, selfish reasons and to ask her many other questions, health and nutrition related. But the reason why I think this episode will be helpful for you listening is that the first half of the conversation is very much focused on starting your own business or brand as a wellness expert or in some specific niche or industry. Um, and so if you are looking to develop that, you know, expert and you want to use it as a consultant and um, develop a consultant or business or brand, this might be useful for you. And then the second part is really, you know, if you are a startup founder, we all know how for the first one to three years, it can be insanely um, intense and you feel like you're overworking, you're overburning. And so feeling like you're living a very unbalanced lifestyle and so if you want to just learn more about how you can live a healthier life, because remember health is wealth, then this episode would also be really helpful for you. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Laura Lamb. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. You're welcome. So you're you? from London, right? You're currently in North London. Yes, I am in North London. Just moved to uh, London quite recently, uh, last month. So um, yeah, it's all all good over here yeah nice and things are just starting to open up for you um yes it's the opposite for us here in Asia (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um it's a tricky one isn't it I think every single every country has its own protocol but yeah we're really thankful that everything is starting to get a bit more normal and you know relaxed 
just yeah. time for someone. Amazing. Yes. So, so Laura, tell us about your startup story and how you came about to start um, Laura Lamb Nutrition. So um, I have always wanted to start a business um, ever since I was young and um, especially when I left uni I was always looking for the next business idea and I had so many things coming up in my head but um, it was only until I started studying nutrition that I realised that this was actually my calling. So I've been studying to be a nutritional therapist um, for about six or seven years and um, Never, none of my other business ideas really felt so as right as being a nutritional therapist. So um, yeah, when I, um, I mean, I, I qualified earlier this year and I, uh, I finally decided to, um, to quit my old job and take a leap and um, get started. So my startup story is about uh, running a clinic, um, mainly online, to serve individuals that are suffering from chronic health problems and helping them to find out what the real reason for their health problems is are and um, giving them a real solution. That's me. Yeah, and so tell us how you knew you wanted to be a specialist in this specific area. You, you know, previously uh, I shared that you suffered from um, IBS. Um, and so share a bit more about how you kind of what your personal journey was to realizing that you know the power of functional medicine so um with throughout my studies um i i had suffered from ibs for quite a long time um and i had uh, really understood the physiology and what was actually happening inside my body um, with my gut um, imbalances with the my bacteria and what how that was impacting the rest of my health including my mental health so um, I realized that the importance of the gut and how um, and how it impacts every single aspect of your life and um, by just helping clean cleaning up your gut um, and what like I'd realized what profound impact that had on the rest of my body um, so my specialism, um, it's just something that came about. Uh, I mean, I specialize in gut health and hormones. So that came about because uh, I found out that I, I too had hormone imbalances and I felt that women, um, the challenges I felt had faced as a woman was synonymous with a lot of women throughout the globe. Mm. within healthcare lots of women are underserved um they are often given um blanket solutions which aren't often solutions like going on the contraceptive pill um or even dismissed by their medical doctors so i really wanted to just give women a um a solution to help them regain their health um from a specialist point of view actually i've um my previous career was uh, i was a a marketer and I still am a marketer and uh, as a from a business point of view it is it's smart to specialize in an area because that way you can you can build your brand and hone in on your offering and tailor it to your ideal client so yeah. that's, that's especially when you're first starting now you literally have to be everything like a marketer designer copywriter salesman you know and so it's great that you had that marketing background to really help you because your website looks really beautiful it's um really well written and well executed 
But um, just going to the back to the point on hormone imbalances, it's funny because I was working with a client of mine a few months ago, a femtech company called Fig, who focuses on PCOS and sexual, um, well, not so much sexual health, but yeah, hormone imbalances, like endometriosis. And this was like the first time learning all about this stuff. Like I was just not aware of it. And it's like really bad um, side effects, I guess. And it's quite common as well. Um, so I think people are slowly becoming, you know, educating more and you don't know it until you have it and you have these crazy, you know, period pains or, you know, acne or whatever. So it's a huge thing for sure. A hundred percent. I think it's um, on average, like uh, seven years that a, a person with endometriosis has to wait until they actually get a diagnosis. Um, I think that is the case in the US. Um, I'm not sure about Singapore though. Yeah. Um, yeah and the doctor was saying how a lot of the times um because you know period pains are very subjective right how do you know how much someone is really in pain and so often mm -hmm. just be misdiagnosed by doctors so people mm -hmm. living with this for such a long time and not getting the right treatment or care um and yeah endometriosis is not nice to have for anyone who's not heard of it is a really painful thing um but yeah so I guess like looking at yeah your specialism so then you know you you discovered this personal um problem that you had and so you obviously started researching and learning more and then you decided that you felt so passionate about it that you actually wanted to have started as a career um and I always think sometimes um you know at the moment these days there's so many experts out there so my question is like which kind of certificates did you take? Like, how did you know which certificates to take and how important do you think that is these days in terms of credibility? And obviously you're advising your clients on, you know, quite important stuff, right? It's their health and wellness. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your journey and uh, journey through that. For sure. Um, yeah, I think it's super important to get the right qualifications. So I did a um, degree level uh, uh, course in nutritional therapy. So um, that is uh, that. Well, that is uh, accredited by the University of Greenwich, and it was like accredited by the um, Intec, the uh, commission that basically um, keeps the standard of all nutritional therapy courses. So it's. I think it's really important for um, number one yourself to ensure that you have the right knowledge in order to serve your clients properly because if you didn't have the right knowledge how are you supposed to build and look after their health um, uh, in the best way that benefits them um, and of course if you can create get better results the more business that you're going to get uh, in the long run. Um, secondly it really helps um, it helps you to be able to talk to other health professionals so having done my course I have complete confidence in writing to my clients GPs and talking to their doctors about their health problems and I can you know fully reference everything and um, you know not really feel that I'm out of place so I think that's super important um, Unfortunately, there are some people, I mean, um, in the UK, the nutritional therapy profession isn't protected by the state. So it's not statutory regulated, like say a medical, medical doctor or a um, you know, chartered physiotherapist. So anybody could actually call themselves a nutritional therapist. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's, 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 there's so many new health. Exactly. Uh, you know, so 
say I was like a potential consumer or client and I was looking for a nutritional therapist, like how, I guess, like, you know, to run some kind of um, strict, not procedures, but, you know, background checks and due diligence, would you suggest seeing their, you know, certificate or, or just finding out a bit more about that person's journey and, and what qualifications they have? Yeah, yeah, do a, do a Google search, look at if they do say that they're part of um, different organisations. So I'm part of the uh, of BANT, which is the British Association for Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine. Um, so check the database that they're actually on that database. Um, you know, it's really important because some people are can do a weekend course and not even not be eligible to get onto those registers. Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite scary actually because these people are um, looking after other people's health, and I, I honestly wouldn't trust somebody who's just done a weekend course on even if it's like acupuncture or something you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't trust yeah. an acupuncture who's done a weekend course with a needle than you right so yeah totally yeah. it's scary but this is why I think yeah I think credibility but also someone who is really I don't discredit people who are super there are people who are super passionate about a specific area or niche and they just learn so much more because I don't think having the certificate is like a prereq it's almost like a prerequisite but it doesn't mean that you are mm. then almost like qualified for life you know you have to continue to you know absorb new information and read more and stay up to date and and so yeah it's not the be all and end all absolutely so, I think like continuous education is super important and I mean yesterday I just spent a whole day learning about immunology it's uh, you know when you're in when you're so passionate about what you do you want yeah, to learn more yeah, and you yeah. want to do all these courses and it's just you know it's um it's really refreshing because uh, like being with like-minded practitioners yesterday it was just like amazing because everybody was getting so excited <laughs> by, by the immune system <laughs> So it was like, oh, we're going to buy this textbook. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's super exciting. I'm excited to dive deep into that um, a bit later on. But uh, mm. yeah, I mean, because I found that since starting another startup story, it's like really kept me accountable to myself, for, like, you know, areas of business, obviously marketing, like even like spirituality and personal development. It's just mm. accountable. Um, so it's been great in that sense. So in terms of, you know you've recently started but how did you what kind of approaches I would love to hear your you know how your journey's been so far in terms of gaining new clients and and you know like you said health and wellness is quite a it's quite a personal topic and people may be going through difficult uh, problems like hormone imbalances or whatever and that's hard and so how do you kind of build that initial trust with your potential client um, at the time so uh, to answer your first question about how to get, um, uh, you know, get clients on board. Um, so as a marketer, I really focused on marketing, uh, using digital marketing, or content writing, social media, all of that. Um, but really, I just found that most um, word of mouth is the best um, best form of marketing. So like, uh, my friends and family have been amazing. They've been shouting about everything that I do and telling all of their friends uh, about uh, my services. And so the clients that I have uh, have come to me through word of mouth. And I think like um, when they have uh, been referred to, uh, to me by a friend, it's like they trust um, they trust their friend um and their, their words a lot yeah, more so, mm -hmm. um I think like 90 percent of uh, there's a there was a 
marketing study saying that 90% of consumers uh, would trust a, a friend or family's um, recommendation. So I think that's super powerful. Um, yeah. To, yeah, to answer your second question, um, how do I, uh, you know, uh, uh, gain their trust is, I, I'm quite transparent and um, very uh, honest about what I offer. So um, I take my client through the entire journey and just like um, tell them that X, Y, and Z needs to happen in order to um, get these results. And um, you know, this this is how it's going to happen. This is how much it's going to cost. Um, I always leave it in their ball in their ballpark because it's um, um, it's up to them. It's their health journey at the end of the day. I'm just I'm just a facilitator, really. Yeah, and just to go back to the point on yeah, through referrals and friends to friends, I think it's so powerful. I think even when I look at like which skincare products I buy, I always take recommendations from friends you know because as as much as marketing is great it's like almost at the top end of the sales funnel you know the sales marketing funnel but to really get someone to convert is like you need that kind of social currency in a way social validation um and so I think a really good way or strategic that you could do is to actually um offer like added on discounts to existing clients through referrals or whatever and then kind of extend through that way there's there's a different methods and techniques you can do to yeah continue growing that ecosystem that you're building right now um yeah so I guess like getting into the really fun stuff so um I think (laughs) over the past year or so there's been well, not even the, just the past year, but the past decade, there's been a lot, this huge rise in like consciousness. And I think a lot of people refer to these more natural method, methodologies as like woo methods of healing. Um, so looking into the field of integrative medicine, which encompasses more the body, mind and spirit. So I would love to get your perspective on, um, yeah, this arena and and why people call it this like woo-woo method and yeah what your thoughts are so um what I do is actually based on uh, very much based on science so um yeah we always look at the latest uh, scientific research um so functional medicine is a little bit different from um conventional medicine because we look at um we look at the whole person rather than an isolated area of their health so if you've got a headache um we don't just look at your headache um we look at everything else like your gut and everything else that might be contributing to the headache um so actually, uh, functional medicine is quite, uh, quite open-minded, I think. Um, so uh, we're really open-minded to other therapies like Chinese medicine, acupuncture, Ayurveda, um, you know, Aboriginal um, medicine. So like we're very open and we take, um, we take inspiration from those um, medicine cultures. They um, certain herbs that might have helped in, um, I don't know, in, uh, for centuries for, I don't know, um, stomach upset um, we'll take those herbs do some research and really find out and isolate what the uh, find out what the chemical components is causing um, those benefits so um, I think it's I think it's something that we we as a medical profession need to take inspiration from and like stay open-minded about because um, I mean science has only been around for one to two hundred years but traditional therapies and and medicines have been around for over 6,000 years so I think it would be really naive of us and ignorant not to not to take a a look at the traditional therapies 
like more of a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's interesting because I hear a lot of people talking about how they have like their actual doctor and but then they have their more they call it something else, but like a more like a holistic doctor. Yeah. (laughs) They almost say don't trust the official doctor for the full. (laughs) Almost like, yeah, they don't they feel like they're not getting the full Mm. um, picture. But it's so interesting down to like a lack of resources um really yeah. like especially in the UK where you've got the NHS that is so overstretched and you can only get like a 10 minute appointment with your GP it's like yeah. how can your GP really understand your problems if you've yeah. only got 10 minutes so. it's funny because like even when you go to a GP say you're going for a headache the first thing they do is just like prescribe you medicine or like pills it's like have you even mm-hmm. asked about my diet or mm-hmm. what my um how much exercise I'm doing and if I'm in nature like they've never asked these kind of basic fundamental you know factors that impact say someone getting a headache and I think that's why it's just a bit scary and also I always think about obviously the motives behind these people prescribing you these pills and stuff like mm-hmm. where are the profits going at the end of the day and you know I won't go into too much detail but I think and always trying to take more of a natural approach where where you can and for me when I usually get a headache I usually do if you've tried gua sha I find that works oh. just like focusing on the the yeah. eyebrow in between the eyebrows and like the eye it's just like really good and relieving and obviously like lots of water and sleep but gua sha really helps and it's like yeah I'm this as a kid <laughs> I love it I use gua sha uh, in my beauty regime actually and I love it I feel like it does really help like um you know remove any excess water retention in the face or you know just make your you know I think I think it's working (laughs) it does make a difference and even you mentioned acupuncture I've recently got soup into it and um like I usually go to a lady here who like barely speaks English she's from China and um she'll like point at a specific area on my foot and the other guy will like translate and he's like your liver your liver and so obviously I googled like liver problems or like what's causing uh liver problems and it's like too much caffeine and obviously during that week I ah. drank so much stuff I'm like it's insane how they managed to detect that purely just from yeah. giving me like a foot massage yeah I love acupuncture every time like I have something a painful I'll go to my acupuncturist and get that sorted yeah, sorry, I'm not talking about acupuncture. I meant reflexology. Sorry. Ah, reflexology. I, I haven't reflexology, done that. But acupuncture too, as well. It's like focusing on the pressure points. Yeah. Um, but what's, um, you mentioned Ayurveda? Ayurveda, yeah. It's a Indian, uh, traditional Indian medicine. Um, yeah, I've not, I've not experienced it myself though, but um, a lot of the herbs that they use is uh, similar to Chinese medicine. And, uh, you know, we've been studying things like ashwagandha, um, uh, turmeric, of course. And what ashwagandha is as well for our listeners. Of course. Um, so ashwagandha is a adaptogenic herb. It's a, um, it's a herb that's been used for, uh, like as, as an anti-stress um, herb. Um, basically there is a lot of stress dysfunction especially in the modern society so um, uh, using ashwagandha can help curb your stress response and uh, kind of just calm things down so that you don't overreact to certain stressful situations Um, so yeah it's a great herb Um, other than that we've also got uh, curcumin from turmeric that's such a great anti-inflammatory and that's um, that comes from ayurveda um, medicine so yeah I've been taking so much turmeric recently like I had a cold and I was just like putting turmeric powder in everything I found less absorbent black pepper or something I heard yes, that yeah 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 
And um, yeah, ashwagandha, I haven't tried yet, but I don't know if you've heard of the brand um, Golly, you know, the apple cider vinegar gummies. You probably recognize the packaging, but they, they have the apple cider vinegar gummies, but they've just got um, released an ashwagandha version as well. So I've been oh, really? check that out. I just question like some of the effectiveness of supplements sometimes, like, you know, when we look at their claims and what they do and which brands to use or in what form they should be kind of absorbed in the body. It is difficult. I feel like I would definitely benefit from doing a supplement course or something to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a whole nutrition course. Yeah. yeah. It's um, supplements is a funny thing. I think like um, I use supplements quite a lot in my clinic, um, also in my own health uh, program. So um, it really depends on the individual. And I think everybody does need to look at supplements caution because um i mean in in the medical and nutrition community we're calling new supplements nutraceuticals now because of the profound effects that it can have on your health um so yeah i mean um not i mean just because something is natural doesn't mean it's good for you um it can have very potent effects and it really it boils down to why are you looking for that supplement and what is your problem uh, health problem to start with um, if you are taking the wrong supplement, if it's, if it's not the right one for you, um, for your health, it could have more adverse effects than the, on the flip side. Yeah, interesting. So, so many people are self-medicating nowadays with um, supplements and it's, um, it can be concerning. So where would you recommend, what would you recommend someone to do if they, you know, wanted to say optimize their health and wellness through supplements maybe, but weren't really sure how to diagnose or understand what it is they need mm, I would um I would always suggest going to a professional so um really um understanding your needs because one supplement might help your friend but they might not help you um, yeah. So yeah really going to a professional like um I'm not sure what the equivalent or me <laughs> no like uh, I'm not sure what the equivalent to sorry that's what you should be saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plug. Um, but yeah, if I'm not sure what the equivalent to a nutritional therapist is in Singapore, maybe in that lab. Um, but here in the UK, if you were to go to a nutritional therapist, they can um, they can look at your entire health profile, every single symptom that you're feeling, and um, they can maybe if you are feeling any um, certain symptoms, run a few tests, and once you've got those tests free, you can evaluate what sort of uh, supplements would actually help your health not just not because because with supplements it can be really like trial and error and mm -hmm. you know you're just kind of dying in the dark but without like really understanding why there is no point to the supplement right exactly and when you like when you're trying so many different ones you have no idea which one is having mm -hmm. the cause or effect right so yes yeah it is trial and error but also do you really want to be risking your health and wellness with trial and error um, mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting so I, I kind of want to talk a bit about I talk a bit about the gut and micro, the microbiome within the gut and what the concept of a leaky gut is so uh, yeah please please share more so uh, yeah the gut is such an interesting topic there's so much research um, at the moment uh, about the gut and um, uh, uh, just quickly for listeners like the gut is where you uh, where you absorb your nutrients um, it's your is where you come into contact with the outside world the most um, so your your gut is 
is built up of your large intestine and your small intestine. Your small intestine is where you absorb all your nutrients. However, um, that's also where you keep out all of the bacteria, all the debris, any undigested food. You keep that all into your uh, keep that in your gut and not into your uh, not absorbing it into your bloodstream. Um, or with the gut, it's and leaky gut. Leaky gut, I don't actually like that term myself. I like um, the more scientific uh, term is uh, impaired intestinal permeability um, because I feel like leaky gut, the term, uh, I mean, everybody uses it, but it just, it kind of downplays the seriousness of the condition. Um, okay. Yeah, but everybody uses it. Um, so what leaky gut actually is, is where that there is increased uh, permeability. So more, more items, that go through your gut are going into being absorbed into your bloodstream and that can cause problems in inflammation allergies um sensitivities like even even to do with like mental health disorders that can uh, that can all impact um and so if you're more like germs is that what it's saying it's yes. saying you're more vulnerable to absolutely Germs, right. Yeah, so with more leaky gut, you can actually get your um, like bacteria can translocate from from your gut other areas in your body. Right. So it yeah, the it's basically like a um, your gut is kind of like a bouncer to a nightclub. So it decides what goes that. in and out. Yeah, that's kind of that analogy. So um, yeah, your bouncer uh, you know decides what to stay stays in the gut and yeah. uh, gets into the bloodstream. If right. the bouncer's uh, ability to do that is impaired, then it ends up letting too many of the bad stuff, uh, like uh, too much bacteria, too much bacteria. Uh, kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, that's um, that can be a problem for so many different um, uh, diseases. But also that we have the microbiome, and that's really important because we've got um, we've got trillions and trillions of bacteria that live in not only in our gut but also all over our body and yeah. it's really fascinating like their dna outnumbers our dna by 100 times and it's uh there's a debate going on in the scientific community uh, like uh which questions whether they're controlling us or are we controlling them it's so fascinating wow so interesting yeah because i recently um, I had the guys from Sequential Skin on my podcast. If you I think it might be a couple of episodes after this one, but they essentially have a skin DNA test where they send, you know, the package to people yes. they get a DNA, yeah, and they a, um, test tab patch and stick it on the skin, send it off to the lab, and it basically shares with you your microbiome index. Um, on the skin, but also your genetic factors as well. And then therefore recommend specific ingredients that you should look for in skincare products um, and ones to avoid, which totally makes sense. And I understand why it's taken so many years for us to like figure this <laughs> out, you know? Um, but it's so interesting. I learned so much about the microbiome on the skin, but um, I don't know as much about it um, in the gut, but that's probably way more important, right? Oh, there's so many more um, bacteria in the gut. Um, oh, oh, I, I think um, I saw this on your Instagram and I was super intrigued by it. And I'd love to do, uh, do this test and figure out what's on um, my skin because um, yeah. I love skincare. Skincare is like one of my greatest loves. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, this new skincare product. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't think they're shipping to the UK at the moment. They're only shipping to the US and Singapore. 
but um, I can send you my report so you can take a lot of the ingredients that are um, recommended are obviously you know great for most people you know and the ones to avoid obviously like alcohol and the obvious ones Mm. but if you just probably useful you'll probably be able to gauge you know um, some useful insights especially as a nutritional therapist so I'll send it to you for sure Um, yeah so when we talk about ingredients for the skin like what what's good for the gut you know there's obviously the obvious things like kombucha um sauerkraut and kimchi and yogurt but how effective are these things and you know I feel like a lot of kombucha out there again is a bit of a marketing scam because a lot of it's just full of sugar so Mm. you know as a consumer how do we know which products to actually consume to make our gut less yeah it's a yeah it's a good question I think like uh, all of those foods can be super beneficial especially if they've been like um produced organically and you know um uh, traditionally as well um I think it's really important to read the label um as consumers because yeah like you said with kombucha sometimes they can add lots of sugar and that kind of like defeats the purpose because yeah you have so many in your gut you've got trillions of bacteria and um some of them are really great and you need them to have a great balance and they do such wonderful things for you but some of the some of the bugs in there can also um uh can also be opportunistic and when they overgrow they can cause lots of uh, digestive problems for you so a lot of the opportunistic bacteria they love sugar so if you're drinking sugary drinks you're feeding the opportunistic bacteria that can cause more problems for you so Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. it's not going to drink made by my friend anymore <laughs> <laughs> there are there are brands that um that uh don't add sugar um to the uh, so, um, yeah. read the label really and what about yogurt is it just 100 percent greek yogurt because again like it depending on where you live obviously but i think like yogurt in the u.s is just yeah full of sugar um, and even mm. here, we don't get good quality yogurt, to be honest. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I think with uh, yogurt, you do have to read the label again. Um, say if it was one of the bigger brands, um, like Muller, they tend to add a lot of sugar to their yogurts. Um, yeah, I would look for more, if you can tolerate dairy, I'd definitely look at um, like more natural brands, like uh, check for organic stamps and stuff. I always buy organic um and look at the number of cultures that they've added so the live bacterial cultures if it's um off the top of my head I don't know how um much you should the number exactly I didn't even know it was listed on the label (laughs) oh it should be yeah if you look in the ingredients they should put the number of uh, bacterial cultures in there at least they do in the UK (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what they do in in Singapore what are your thoughts on like pre and probiotic supplements or like, so I recently bought the Cora Organic. Cora Organics is by Miranda Kerr and she kind of swears by an organic and very natural approach being an Aussie. Um, and she has these, I think they're pre or probiotics. I think mm-hmm. they're, yeah, prebiotic, um, like sachets where have like mm-hmm. noni, the noni fruit. Um, so I've just started trying them. I haven't felt a huge difference yet. Um, but I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are on, yeah. I think um, pre and probiotics are um, can be fantastic. I use them clinically, um, especially if someone's got some um, imbalance in their uh, gut bacteria. 
So uh, with pro, a pre and probiotics, as a, um, just to explain, with probiotics, that's your uh, bacteria. So that's the, uh, they're usually um, inactivated or just dormant. So you just take that in a capsule or in a, uh, a sachet with uh, water. Um, prebiotics is the food that they consume. So prebiotics might be like um, fiber, um, resistant starches, and they, you can get them from like, uh, isolate it from things like garlic or onions or apples, and you can uh, take that to help feed the good bacteria. Um, so they can be really, really helpful, um, especially if someone has uh, digestive problems or IBS. But it really depends on uh, what the state of uh, somebody's digestive health is at the point in time. Because if they've got too much, uh, like a bacterial overgrowth, adding these two uh, supplements can actually cause more problems. Um, right. Because if you think about the gut being like a like your garden, um, and the bad, uh, the opportunistic and bad bacteria being the weeds, you kind of have to weed out your garden first before you plant the uh, the mm. nice flowers that you want to put in your garden, right? Yeah, no, it's analogy, but again, how would you know? I guess you'd have to consult an expert, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do some testing. Um, yeah, I, I'd run uh, stool tests and uh, to find out what the bacteria composition is. Um, from then onwards, I can just like um, really look at what we have to get rid of and then add, add back in. So, yeah. Uh, it's so interesting. I was just... Um, just thinking about that, who was that nutritionist who used to be really famous in the UK and she was like known for taking people's stores? Oh, um, Gillian, yeah, no. yeah, Jillian McKeith. yeah, yeah. I used to love her book, I used to read her like a kid growing up, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, now I think she was one of the main pioneers in the space mm -hmm. back then, yeah, um, but yeah, it's it crazy, and um, I guess another kind of more, maybe it could be seen as more of a marketing fad, but I want to talk about the concept of juicing um, just because I've had a lot of friends recently who have been doing a juice cleanse for like a day or maybe two, even a week. Um, and yeah, I think obviously it's going to do wonders. It's going to be a great detox for your body. But I mean, we all know it's not sustainable. Anything that's too extreme, I feel like kind of swings on the other side of the pendulum. And so I would be... Yeah, like is juicing good? Is is it worth doing it? Is it is it just a marketing scheme? Because you know they're not cheap as well if you buy the shop bought ones. And yes, they um they're obviously fresh and organic and stuff. But yeah, is it is it something that like who needs to even juice? You know? Yeah, good question. And I did realize it is really expensive. I, I looked at this brand that came up on Instagram, and it was like sixty five pounds for a day. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I think we like just yeah very here. Oops, I think we lost you. Um, yeah. So um, with juicing, I, my point of view is that um, it's it, it really depends on the individual. So I think like juicing um, alongside a balanced diet has um, is is great. I think it's a really great way to get more fruits and vegetables into your diet, especially if it's like a um, you know a vegetable juice I think that's much better than a fruit juice because obviously fruits are full of sugar you're not actually supposed to juice them you're supposed to eat them whole uh, with the fiber because otherwise um the sugar might impact your blood sugar imbalance but um yeah more on that another time um but yeah it's great on a um on a uh, 
occasional basis, I think. Um, but really, you have to really understand what the reason for doing a juice cleanse is. Is it weight loss? Is it to clear the is it to solve like digestive issues like constipation? Um, did you have a heavy weekend, um, you know, with a loss of indulgence? You've got to really understand why that the motivation is there. Um, because juicing is not going to solve the problem that you are going to juicing for. Um, it might just give you temporarily a temporary relief. Um, so I think really look finding out what the problem is to start with is your key to good health um but also you also have to like um think about um with vegetables if you don't cook them and you you know you have them raw there are like anti-nutrients within vegetables and Mm -hmm. uh, legumes and uh, other plant foods so without uh, traditionally cooking them um, as you know, humans have evolved to cook their foods and ferment their foods and soak them so that we can digest them properly. If we just consume them raw, it can cause some like stomach upset because of these anti-nutrients. Um, for example, like spinach has a lot is really high in oxalates. If you don't cook or steam your spinach, um, uh, those oxalates can actually combine with uh, minerals in your body. Um, I mean, you'd have to consume a lot, but over time, um, you could get like calcium deposits, uh, which can cause things like um, kidney stones, and that's not very nice at all. So, yeah. everything in moderation is fine. Yeah, it's crazy, but I also hate overcooking my vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when it's like broccoli and I overcook it. I'm just oh, like, yeah. Is there even any point in eating it if it's no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the fiber, but yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly good fiber but it's true i think i'm just on like antidote which is a very popular juice company here in singapore and yeah all the claimed um benefits are like enhanced metabolism you would hope so if you're just drinking juices um better recovery increased energy but yeah it just seems quite generic i feel um yeah and I feel like unless, yeah, like you said, unless you really are doing it for specific reasons, probably no need to. But having mm-hmm. said that, I was just quite, you know, just come, I've just recovered from a really bad cold and sore throat and I just made moon celery juices. I did a beetroot juice and I did, I feel like it sped up my recovery, but I was also yeah. eating food as well. So it was almost like as a supplement. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's great to get some extra antioxidants in there, especially at, at your um, as you've just recovered from your cold and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like another area which I've been really interested in is mushrooms. Obviously, um, there's been a big documentary that's been going around called The Fantastic Fungi. And oh. just understanding that mushrooms are such powerful vegetables or, you know, a species in a way there's so many different types of mushrooms that can have really strong healing impacts um and you know they have that kind of medicine impact and there's been talks of like reishi and lion's mane so for those of you who haven't heard of that reishi is meant to be good for um reducing stress and lion's mane which both of which can be taken in like a powder form right or supplement um you can mm-hmm. just coffee or smoothie and lion's mane is meant to be good for um brain function um and increasing your focus so yeah what are your thoughts on you know functional foods and and medicine um in that aspect i think um yeah with medicinal mushrooms i i love them i think it's um 
it's a fantastic toolkit um, in a nutritional therapist clinic. Um, even I think um, it's mushrooms have been used for like centuries um, in Chinese medicine. Reishi and cordyceps are very very widely used herbs, especially for immunity and just modulating the immune system. In in at this uh, current situation we have with the pandemic, I think it's really important to just modulate the um, immune system because as we've seen. Uh, with COVID, um, the problem is not the virus, it's actually many people's immune systems are mm. reacting to the virus and causing widespread damage to their lungs yeah. and then lung failure, which is which is the ultimate problem. Um, taking supplements and uh, herbs and uh, foods that help to dampen that uh, response from your immune system is super important. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fantastic um, uh, area and uh, it's really exciting that there's more research coming out about these uh, sorts of um, these mushrooms. Um, mm. Yeah, with lion's mane, it's fantastic because it, it can actually um, stimulate this, uh, the production of <laughs> Sorry. Have you tried it yourself? I have. Oh, I tried it a little bit, but I hadn't, um, I hadn't done it long enough to really figure out the effect. I, I tried to play at Lion's Mane in a, um, uh, I think it was a, a, a raw form of Lion's Mane, so not extract. So actually that, that caused me, yeah, it's a, it was a tricky one because it wasn't, it was actually the mushroom that you ate. Oh, no, no, no. I had it in supplement form, not, um, oh. not, so it, it's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so not the actual actual uh, mushroom from the woods. They, they actually they grew it in California and they just like milled it, like fried it and milled it into a supplement. So yeah, I've had um I have a friend who uh, found it in the woods and he cooked it actually. <laughs> and he cooked it well. I'm looking. Uh, I just googled lion's mane mushroom and it's quite an interesting. It looks a bit like a cauliflower slash yeah. Sheep. It looks like it belongs in the sea. <laughs> Really what it looks like it looks so special so mm -hmm. cute it's like an animal interesting yeah yeah no I yep. really want to try it I just I don't know if you recommend any specific brands because yeah that's the thing there's so many brands out there of lion's mm. mane and reishi it's just about finding the right one which is actually going to be effective right um, yeah I think it's important to just check um check where your mushrooms are coming from because um yeah you have you have to understand whether they're grown in a Specifically, that uh, checks for heavy metals, pesticides, um, you know, lots of these chemicals. And uh, were the mushrooms grown on rice, or were they grown on a, a log as they naturally would, or were they grown on oats? Because this this is really important. Because like, if it was grown on rice, you have the problem of like um, heavy metals, uh, because rice can be quite high in arsenic. So mushrooms can absorb those um, those toxic chemicals into their body, and um, right, yeah. Right. So yeah, check your sources. Check that they test for all of those chemicals and everything certified, organic, um, all of that. So yeah. Yeah, I wonder if any of these brands actually publish all of this data and information. Yeah. And you mentioned something earlier on about how you know it's not actually COVID that's killing people, but just the susceptibility of being stressed and you know mental health and so 
I guess I really want to talk about the link between, you know, emotional and uh, physical wellness and how, you know, the mind, body, spirit and how, um, yeah, like there's been huge research around the relationship between depression and inflammation in the gut and stuff. And so, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what your thoughts are and how, how severe this relationship really is or, or how strong it is. So it's uh, it's really fascinating, actually. There are quite a few re- uh, studies on the link between uh, depression, anxiety, and the gut. Um, so there's this nerve that connects your brain to um, to your gut. It's called the vagus nerve, and that's how the two organs talk. Um, so whenever you have digestive upset, um, and say, for example, you've got gastritis, like a stomach bug, um, the chemicals that your gut uh, sends to your brain, um, it might put you in uh, a more of a depressed state. Uh, you're going to have low mood, especially if you've got, I don't know, if you, if you feel, if you have a cold, you tend to feel really like low, right? So, um, so yeah, if you had low grade inflammation, uh, this uh, imbalanced like gut bacteria on a chronic level, think about the chemicals that would send to your brain on a daily basis for years or, you know, every single day, like, um, you know, just clearing up the gut um, environment and ensuring that all works properly can have profound benefits on your mental health. And I've actually found that within myself as like, I find that when I'm when my gut's not good, um, my anxiety will be much worse. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's my definitely. That's so interesting. I guess yeah, it all has like it's all interconnected in a way. Absolutely. And you know, eating well. I mean, it's like exercise as well. When you exercise, you actually sleep better and you want to eat better. You know, it's much harder to kind of pig out more after you've just worked out. So it's all you know things like exercising and eating well give much higher return on investments than than you think it's not just for weight loss or looking good um there's so much there is so much like yeah yeah there is a lot of like um which what really really annoys me is that like nutrition is generally perceived as um it as the only thing that equals weight loss or you know you only eat good just so that you can look good and i think it's it's wrong you know health is wealth and that's what I mean I think even just having a bit of a I had like a bit of a cold I told you this week and I had such bad scare because I was like oh I have COVID and even just being in the you know the being at the doctors and doing the COVID test I was like gosh I just hate um hospitals and any I just don't want to be here (laughs) and and so Mm. it was a bit of a wake-up call to really like invest yeah in my health not not from an aesthetic perspective that's obviously a bonus but yeah just so we can perform better and and live um, a better quality of life you know exactly Um, yeah if if you underestimate here's like you're reminded to invest in your health and well exactly um and just a final point before we kind of go into a bit more personal you know um questions that i have for you is looking at the kind of east we uh, east meets west you know um methodology you know i personally love chinese medicine and i've been trying to learn more about tcm i think growing up and with a chinese mum who's been you know very much feeding me um kind of <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. like maybe you'll be able to explain it better but you know when i used yeah. to have my period 
um, she would give me this soup which had like goji berries in it and these dates and it was meant to be very restorative for the blood yeah um, like, mom what are you feeding me I don't want to eat this or drink this but now looking back I'm like I want to learn more so mm-hmm. what in your experience like even growing up as a kid you know with Chinese parents um and and as a more informed expert now um I'd love to know what your yeah what your thoughts are around this yeah, so I say my mum still does this, does that. She still makes me Chinese broths with all the donggui and um, goji berries and uh, all, all of that. And um, yeah, I appreciate it a lot more now that I've grown up. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't understand why. And it always tasted, it tasted like bitter or something. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I worked for a um, Chinese medicine uh, company for the last uh, six years and um, I loved it I, because we had our own dispensary um, of herbs that it was just like that was my favorite thing was to look at uh, look at all these herbs smell all the different smells and the textures and feel feel how they've um, you know that you know feel their textures I guess um you know and see what flowers are used what leaves are used what barks and it's just like so fascinating that these herbs are um can help to benefit health um so yeah I I personally love Chinese medicine um I I actually uh, do prepare my own herbal medicine sometimes prescribed by a herbalist um I also go for acupuncture treatments and uh, whenever I have um, if I have like an ache or pain or something like that, I go for an acupuncture treatment. Because um, I really do believe in it. I think there's uh, there's just something about Chinese medicine that is just so um, there's so much wisdom that we can learn from. It's been practiced for over six thousand years, and it's just uh, and it's been documented since then, at that time. So um, it's just it would be naive of the conventional and Western um, medical system to dismiss Chinese medicine. I I know that's something that happens a lot in the medical culture because they don't understand it. It doesn't fit within the science ideals, but I think like it, it does fit in the ideals personally. And I think that it's just a different way of explaining things. Yeah. Um, this doc- there's a doctor in the US called Dr. Cara Fitzgerald. She's one of the members. Um, she's a functional medicine doctor. Um, and she's started to, um, she's been using tongue diagnosis. So tongue diagnosis in Chinese medicine is something that acupuncturists. Oh, I did. Did you do this? Yeah. Well, like two weeks ago. Um, I, I just booked in for a tuna massage uh-huh. and um, it was a TCM clinic. And as part of the, you know, package, you do like a diagnosis and you stand on the, the yeah. machine with your, um, you hold your, uh, your, your thumbs on the kind of receptor, receptors. And then it gives you a full diagnosis of, you know, your weight, your percentage of body fat and your BMI and all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. when I sat down with the doctor the TCM doctor she was like let me see your tongue and I was like what <laughs> so she was so aggressive. Yeah. and I did and she was like did you not get enough sleep are you on your period and I was like I was on my period and I, I I've been sleeping at like 10 p.m these days so I do get a lot of sleep but it just so happens that that night the previous night I had slept at 3 a.m because I was at a friend's house so she knew straight away that I had not been sleeping yeah 
So I was like, wow, she knows her shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. But sorry, yeah, sorry to interrupt. So you're talking about the tongue diagnosis. Yeah, so it is it is amazing. It's um it is amazing how much information can be found or uh seen throughout your tongue. Uh and Chinese medicine doctors have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. So Dr. Cara Fitzgerald has um kind of put it into a science um explained it with science and um you know she's taking the same sort of concept so looking at how red the tongue is how much coating is on there because the the white stuff is like a biofilm that your bacteria creates um that you know the bacteria that live in your uh, mouth they create this biofilm so um yeah she looks at how much coating you have on your tongue um whether your tongue is all sorry is that a good thing and no, so if you've got too much coating, it means that there's too much, the bacteria is, uh, there's too much bacteria or there's an imbalance there. Um, so yeah, and then maybe if your tongue's scalloped or like has a different, uh, like too much redness in certain areas. Um, I don't, I don't know tongue diagnosis myself, but it's yeah. just like, it's fascinating how like now we're, we're taking inspiration from the East and using it in the West uh, to explain it from a science point of view. So yeah. my view is that, it's all the same. Health is all the same. It's just different ways of explaining it. Yeah. Have you ever tried oil cleansing? I have, yeah. Um, I need to whiten my teeth, but I mean, I'm a heavy a tea drinker, so um, I don't know how, how much benefit that had uh, for, for my... Um... No, but oil pulling is when you basically gargle like coconut oil in the morning to yeah. get rid of bacteria in your mouth. I don't know if it has teeth whitening uh, benefits too. Maybe it does. Right. It's actually meant to be, and there's also the, like, the reason why I ask is because it's kind of in the same bracket as like tongue scraping. Um, mm-hmm. I just question whether that's like doing too much. Like obviously, you know, our tongue has that natural film. It's like it's nature's way. And, and are we kind of, yeah, is scraping it a good thing? I don't know. It's interesting. It's, um, it really depends because everybody has different um, microbiomes in their mouths. Mm-hmm. So if someone is suffering from uh, like um, bad breath or, you know, lots of, um, I don't know, plaque, I'm not a um, dentist or anything. Um, <laughs> I, know there are, I know there are like a cos- like a functional dentists that really specialize in this area. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, um, I think it really depends. Um, I, I think if you've got too much um bad bacteria that is causing symptoms and I think like oil pilling and tongue scraping can be really beneficial and um you know maybe using a natural uh, mouthwash with peppermint oil could really help as well but it really depends on what your current state is if your if your bacteria is absolutely fine and you've got a great environment and then perhaps not yeah you're out of nothing yeah it's interesting what you said about you know almost like translating the Chinese medicine, the TCM to a more Western approach or, cause I think there's gonna be a huge rise in, yeah, new brands. There already is now, especially in California and, and you know, London. I think there's been a huge, yeah, rise in new brands very much translating. I mean, if you look at yoga as an example, very mm. traditional method of, you know, practice. And it's not even, it's more than an exercise. Um, and yeah, it's just completely become mainstream now. So we'll be definitely seeing more things. So yeah, I think mm. you are definitely in the right industry, especially after, you know, the pandemic. Um, 
kind of coming through. Um, but yeah, just moving on to more kind of like personal questions before we wrap up. Um, if I was to ask you what's one value you've lived by throughout the years that has really helped you to develop your mindset, well-being and lifestyle, what would that be? Um, so I, I'm a big believer of the law of attraction. Um, I've always thought, even before I realised it was a, or knew it was a thing, I was always, I've always like manifested what I wanted. So I always believed if I wanted something, um, something bad enough that I would definitely get it. It was just a matter of how and when. Um, so yeah, I would always have a very like positive outlook on everything that has happened to me. So if anything has happened, that's, um, you know, I don't know if you could perceive it as bad or, you know, something that's kind of adverse, I would always think, okay, so plan A doesn't work. What kind of plan B can I put together in order to move forward from this problem? Like, how can I solve it? So that's, that's kind of my outlook. And I'm never really too bogged down um, by negative things that happen. Um, and I think it's a, it's really helped me in my life and my journey so far. Yeah, interesting. But I've heard that the law of attraction is not just for me anyway. I feel like it's not like just some woo-woo thing where you're just manifesting it and it just happens. But it's like you are, when you physically, you know, state things out, or vocalize things or even if you put it down in writing in pen and paper you are kind of subpriming your brain to look out for these opportunities um because you know you're already you've already become conscious of it you know um it's why like vision boards are so powerful um so yeah super interesting Absolutely. so what is something that you would say to people who say they're listening now and they have this desire to kind of pursue their own thing maybe they've you know just really got a huge expertise in an area and they want to start a business or some be a consultant um what advice would you give to people on this and how and how to deal with their limiting beliefs so I would um start off with acting like you are already achieving it um I think that really really helps like um uh, my me and my friends do this all the time we we manifest and we just we say to ourselves that we 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 are a expert in xyz we are um we already are on this journey to starting the business that we want we are already achieving the goals that we want um, and I think it's really important because when you start to believe it you you live it um and if you really want to start a business, I think it's really important to just put those practical steps in place um, so that you you become ready for it. So what I do is that I, um, I take a timeline and I look at my uh, in the next year, like look at when I want to achieve something and then I kind of break it down into small goals. So within the next month, what am I going to do to move towards that goal in the next two months what am I going to do to move towards that goal so I put it all in a mood board and uh, you know I, I create a just desktop wallpaper of all pictures of all the things that I want to achieve in terms of a timeline and I stick it onto my desktop wallpaper and I see it every single day um, and that just helps me um, like become that thing that I really want to be like a reminder, a daily reminder right exactly yeah, yeah. also yeah. I think it's really important to ensure that you save enough money to um, get to that point as well but, um yeah financially, sure. I mean, financially stable is really important yeah we've done like a whole workshop on like going freelance or starting your own thing on yeah mm -hmm. make sure you have the, the best financial runway 
and yeah. so geeky of everybody have even created like a an excel spreadsheet on, on which you can download on the website oh really um, story.com if anyone is listening which you basically type in your personal expenses your business expenses and and how much your cost of living is and it calculates how much you need to earn to yeah make sure you're going to be okay financially um oh, fantastic so next question is, I'm always intrigued to learn what everyone says, but what is your morning routine like? So um, when I, I get up um, and I have been meditating, starting my day with a 20 minute meditation. Um, and I'm, I think that really, really helps um, set, the, set the stage for my day. Um, I try not to look at my emails or even if I do receive like a a WhatsApp message or something, I try not to respond to anything before nine o'clock. So firstly, I'll go put the kettle on, um, make myself some tea and uh, sit outside on the balcony and do my 20 minute meditation and turn my phone on to aeroplane mode. Um, So once I've done that, I might go for... um, I'm a lot more calmer and I might do either do a workout or I might go for a walk in, uh, go for a walk in the woods or something like that or um, wherever and then um, or do some yoga um, because if I don't do it in the morning I'll, I probably won't, won't get around to doing it anyway yeah. um, I might have some breakfast with a good source of protein but yeah that's yeah, how I, same. I feel like I'm just I love exercising in the morning now just because I get mm-hmm. such like those endorphins I'm like if I do at night I'm going to waste those endorphins because mm-hmm. you know I don't need them when I'm trying to sleep but just yeah like feeling of working out and you know that feeling you're on a high for the rest of the day is just so good so I try it's and work great. in the morning and it's so true with the phone thing what's really weird is that I I actually bought an alarm clock recently so I could stop scroll, like having my phone near me so mm-hmm. I don't need to use the phone as an alarm but some, you know, there are days, obviously, I, I am human and I am scrolling at night and maybe there's sometimes like I'm watching someone's stories and let's say someone posted something recently, like they will somehow come up in my dream at night. And <laughs> I just feel like it's, I think I read somewhere that, you know, just literally the, the hour before you sleep and the hour before you, you just when you, when you've just woken up, you're, you're basically tapping into your unconsciousness and it's a lot more acceptable I guess in a way uh-huh. so what that's why it's really important yeah. to like read affirmations first thing in the morning it really does help I'm not so good at doing that but um you know and, and also reading good inspiring and educational content before you sleep and not just binge watching junk I guess yeah um, but I just I was like yeah it's so true because I yeah it's happened a few times now where or like if I've been speaking to someone just before I go to bed I'll, they'll come in my dream and it's like I don't know it's crazy <laughs> yeah it's funny um, how dreams are don't they yeah just on you saying for breakfast you usually have a good source of protein if you could describe like the basic diet like the basic ne- like necessities and essentials for you know everyone what would you say people need to include in their diet Ooh, a purple uh, there, just throwing that in. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a good one um it, yeah I, I'm very much a personalized nutrition type of person so it's a very difficult question but I think ensuring that you have uh, firstly a good structure so breakfast lunch and dinner um at regimented times is really important um and less snacking um I would say that ensuring a source of protein with every single meal is really important so whether that is uh, a 
plant protein or uh, animal protein like eggs or um uh, or uh, chicken or whatever you like and ensure that you've got a source of protein with each one because um because that helps to uh stabilize your blood sugar balance um i also in encourage people to have at least um at least five different vegetables and maybe two um two fruits a day uh because i think it's really important to get as many nutrients as possible so try and pack that in um with your breakfast like some um some steamed spinach or something like that or um yeah <laughs> some uh, i don't know what yeah I think that ratio is so important. You know, everyone says like you're five a day, but like yes. if you're having five fruits and like zero vegetables, it's actually not good at all. Not good, no. <laughs> like, like almost yeah. like trying to do a more 70, 30%, 30, 70 ratio skewing towards mm -hmm. vegetables. No, really interesting. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, quick question actually that reminds me of so many questions. What <laughs> are your thoughts on pro uh, protein powder? protein powder and supplements um it really it depends on one's yeah it depends on what their someone's goals are so if um if someone is trying to uh put some muscle it can be really really helpful um but um it also there are some protein powders that are made from whey and some people don't really tolerate that very well so i wouldn't advise taking that um it, yeah it's a tricky one if you can't get it through your uh if through your diet say if you're vegan or vegetarian and you want to optimize your protein intake i think it's a really good idea um but also check on the source of protein that you're getting through the powders if it's if it's whey can you tolerate it if it's soy protein or pea protein can you tolerate that as well because some people really do badly on like legumes and uh, because they cause a lot of bloating um and stomach upset so it's it's a, it's a tricky one i think um but yeah it depends on the individual yeah so interesting so one last question for you what is one book you'd recommend to a friend and why <laughs> so i um i always this one's actually for women um or men if you really want to uh, read more about hormones feel free because I encourage everybody to get educated. So the book I always recommend to people is Period Power by Maisie Hill. So um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, female biohacking and harnessing hormones to help um, you know, women optimize their performance throughout their cycles. Um, and that's really important because obviously, um, I mean, she talks about the menstrual cycle being like your spring, summer, winter, and I mean, autumn and winter. So you're, um, I mean, your summer being when you ovulate and you're super happy, you're really charismatic and, you know, you're, you're, um, you're feeling fantastic. Uh, and then winter is when you have your period and your, you know, your mood is lower. You want to just stay at home all the time and, you know, just, uh, recuperate and restore. Um, so I think it's really important to understand what phase of the cycle you are at so that you can optimize your performance. So say if you wanted to do, if you wanted to book loads of meetings in, um, I would suggest putting in your summer. And then if you were to, uh, you know, cut down on the amount of social engagements that you want to do, um, you know, avoid your winter, right? So that you can just like spend more time at home and, um, you know, uh, perhaps writing more blogs and doing things that don't require seeing people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important to uh, harness your hormones. Or, yeah, uh, I'm gonna get that book. I actually have the Flow app. Do you know? Oh, really? 
but that's yeah. quite yeah that basically tells you is it called it's called my flow mm. yeah quite interesting it, it tells you like you know which period whether you're before during or after and uh, what activities you should be doing what kind of foods you should be you know ingesting so yeah it's probably a similar concept but going a bit deeper yeah she's a fantastic um she's a fantastic like Chinese medicine practitioner um and actually she's I think she's uh, currently studying nutritional therapy so we're in very similar spaces um I've never met her but I would love to she sounds like a fantastic person interesting thank you so much for sharing right I think I'm gonna wrap this conversation up now you know I think you've shared so much knowledge I just don't want to overload people but thank you (laughs) for sharing your story today and for sharing your wealth of knowledge um thank you for having me we'll find it super interesting and and helpful and hopefully um yeah i can really start to implement that in the day-to-day lifestyles and you know it really kind of concludes like you mentioning that you know health is really a priority and i think um that really concludes everything that we've talked about and there's just so much we can really deepen our knowledge of and there's just like a never-ending learning learning um learning page I guess with health and nutrition um but so for those of you who are listening at home and want to know more all the details will be in the show notes and you can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Lamb Nutrition that's Laura Lamb L-A-M Nutrition and if you're looking for more inspiration um, we have plenty of other stories interviews and resources just head to anotherstartupstory.com or you can find us on Instagram at another startup story. Thanks so much again. Hope you guys Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye. Great.